Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daft Differently. My name is Rabbi Abby Soslin. Today we are studying Masechet Ketubah, Daf Samech Tet, page 69. Our Daf focuses on the case of an orphaned woman who wants to collect a dowry from the estate of her deceased father. She's entitled to receive 10% of his estate as a dowry, but many questions arise. How may she collect her dowry? Must it be from land, karka, or may it be from other items, movable items, metaltile? And if she is to get land, then what kind of land might she have? This depends on how the daughter's entitlement is understood vis-a-vis her brothers. Is she a ba'alat chov? Is she a creditor to her deceased father or to her own brothers? The Gemara asks whether her brothers have inherited debt to her. That is, that they inherited the father's debt to her, or if the debt to pay her dowry is their own. How the dowry can be paid to her depends upon the answer to this question. If the brothers are simply inheriting the father's debt, then she may be paid in ziborit, an inferior piece of land, bishvu'ah, and only if she swears that she has not yet received it. If, however, the brothers owe the dowry to their sister themselves, then they may only give her land which is at the least benonit, average land, and there is no need for a shvu'ah, she does not need to swear. And so the Gemara, to try to answer this question, moves to stories, ma'aseh shehaya, bring some reality to the question. Shalach le Rav Nechemia de Rav Yosef, le Rabba bar Rav Hunazuta minahardeya. Rav Nechemia, the son of Rav Yosef, sent to Rabba bar Rav Hunazuta of Nahardea. He sent word, a woman is going to come before you to collect dowry. And what you should do is collect for her the tenth of her father's estate to which she is entitled, even from the base of the mill. Agba isur nechasim afilu me'itzdru. Rashi explains that the base of the mill is where the millstone is placed, and that is treated as a moshavemet, true property. So here, Rabbi Nehemia seems to be saying that a woman's dowry can be collected only from non-movable property, but it can be from any kind of non-movable property. Amar Rav Ashi, ki havinan Bay Rav Kahana, when we were in the Beit Midrash of Rav Kahana, havag magbinan afilu me'amala devate. When we were back in the Beit Midrash of Rav Kahana, we used to collect from schirut habatim. We would collect, as Rashi explains, from the rental money of the estate, which also qualifies as mekarke'e. That actually also counts as real property. So the Gemara through these stories is telling us how a woman can be paid. And while we're on the subject of rabbis being asked to collect property to pay dowries, the Gemara brings another story. 
Shalach le Rav Anan le Rav Huna. Rav Anan sent the following directive to Rav Huna. Huna Chavrin, Shlam, Huna, our friend, or Huna, our colleague. Hello. Ki atyaha ititalikamach, when this woman comes before you to get her dowry, agba isur nechse, get her 10% of the estate. That seems innocent enough to those of us reading. Very nice. Rav Anan says to Rav Huna, Huna chavrin shlam, one colleague saying hello to another. But for some reason, this greeting angers Rav Huna, and he sends back a nasty reply. Havayativ Rav Sheshet Kame. Rav Sheshet was sitting in front of him at the time, and Rav Huna sent word with Rav Sheshet, zil, emale uvishamta. Yehei, man deloa marle. Go tell him this. And the person who does not tell him this will be, um, <clears throat> will be excommunicated. Anan, anan. Here's the message. Mimikarke, o mimikarke, o mimitaltele. Anan, anan. Should I take the dowry from real property or from movable property? And by the way, who sits at the head in the house, at the head of the house in the home of a mourner? What just happened here? What made Rav Huna so upset that he sent back such a strange reply? According to Rashi, Rav Huna was insulted that he was called Huna Chavrin, that he was called Huna, my friend. And so he sent back a message, Bill Shon Ganai, in ugly language. But why? What was so wrong with this phrase? Kolel Iyun Hadaf of Yerushalayim brings a pretty brilliant understanding in my thinking of this, I, this whole question and this whole little debate from Rav Ruven Margoliot, one of the top Israeli Talmudists from the 1960s and 70s. According to Rav Margoliot, Rav Anan was related to the Reish Galuta, the Exilarch, or the most powerful man in Babylonia at the time. According to Rav Margoliot, many people in the Exilarch's family actually did refer to Rav Huna as Huna Chavrin, and it was not exactly a compliment. The word Chaver, besides meaning a friend or a colleague, was used in the Gemara to refer to a Talmud Chacham who had not yet received smicha and was therefore not entitled to judge certain matters of law. While Rav Huna didn't receive smicha from the Reish Galuta in Babel, although he did live in Babel, he did receive smicha from Rav, who had received his smicha through Rabbi Chia, from the great Rebbe, or Rabbi Huda Hanasi, the editor of the Mishnah in Eretz Yisrael. So Rav Huna was an ordained rabbi, but the Reish Galuta's family did not acknowledge the smicha which he re received from Eretz Yisrael. When they referred to Rav Huna as Huna Chavrin, as opposed to Chacham, they wanted to emphasize that he was not considered a Chacham Musmach, but only a Chaver. Evidently, Rav Huna tolerated this when Rav Nachman, his contemporary in Torah wisdom, referred to him in such a manner, but he did not tolerate the slight to his dignity from a lesser scholar, Rav Anan, when he called him Huna Chavrin, to prove that his Torah knowledge was deserving of respect whether or not 
they recognized his smicha, Rav Huna answered Rav Anand's inquiry with a riddle, proving the greatness of his scholarship. Just because a mourner sits at the head of the table doesn't necessarily mean he is the wisest. Rav Anan, just because you seem like you're the leader of the town, you're not necessarily the wisest one in the Beit Midrash. The Gemara concludes with a halacha hilchata, mimikarke'e velo mimitaltele, that in fact a woman's dowry must come from real property and not from movable property. But the exchange itself between Rav Huna and Rav Anan reminds me of what Dr. Jeff Rubenstein at NYU has written about the culture of shame in the Bavli. In an article in Conservative Judaism several years ago, Rubenstein argued that the idea of shame was actually far more prevalent in the Babylonian Talmud than in the Palestinian one. The culture of the yeshiva had people jockeying, as he wrote, for highest academic honors. The Palestinian yeshiva, the place where the Yerushalmi was written, he argued, were smaller and quieter places where different skills were valued, but the Babylonian ones were larger and focused on oral argumentation, verbal violence, and status. No wonder Rav Huna is getting insulted here. His education comes from Israel, but he's been trained in Bavel, so he knows both cultures. And when he hears himself being insulted, he's not afraid to give as good as he gets. This is not the loveliest part of Talmudic culture, but we might take a page from Mar Ukva, who handles the situation perfectly, in my opinion. When Rav Anan asks him, what is a Marzaicha? Lo yadana maininhu, I don't know what it is. Mar Ukva asks, gufa deuvda heichahava, tell me how the whole incident went down. When Rav Anan answers and tells the story, Ukva says, wait a second. Gavra de lo yada mai nihu marzecha shalachle le rav huna, huna chavrin? A man who doesn't know what a marzecha is? Called rav huna, huna, our friend? Marukva is sending a very clear message. Look, Ravanan, be careful with your language. You don't know nearly enough to be buddies with rav huna. I think this is a good lesson for today as well. Hey, Marukva is reminding us, be careful. Don't throw around the term buddy or friend when you're talking to someone who is senior to you in either knowledge or status. I teach high school students. They very often struggle to remember the line between authority and friend. So I think I better try to pop this little sugya into a class or two and get this message across where it's most needed. Until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.